when we really want to access the visceral core motivation of students, having them write about something they really care about is going to get the best engagement level. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So Andrew, today's topic is changing someone's mind, the power of persuasive writing. I don't really want to talk about that. Well, (laughs) how do I change your mind? I don't know. (laughs) It is uh, an interesting topic Mm -hmm. and one that is certainly discussed broadly, not just in education and teachers of rhetoric, Mm -hmm. but in the larger public conversation. Sure. My job is chief marketing officer, and that means my job is to convince, persuade people that IEW has the best way to teach writing and grammar hands down. That's my job. It's not such a hard job when you think (laughs) about it. I don't think it is. (laughs) But yeah, there are principles of persuasion that can be studied and researched, and we don't have time to Mm -mm. go over the (laughs) psychology of of all of that. But uh, years ago, I was trying to explore the idea of what is an essay. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, from the time I met Webster and learned the basic five-paragraph model, the expanded essay model, the super essay models, and all of the variations in between. You know, I gradually was teaching all those models, but in the back of my mind was still the question, but what is it? Mm -hmm. You know, what is an essay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I even played the little game of interviewing high school students Mm -hmm. during the opening of the high school essay intensive, you know, stick the pen in front of their face as if it was a microphone Mm -hmm. and put them on the spot. What is an essay? How would you answer that question? And you would get responses. I mean, most common response was something you don't want to do. Exactly. Yep. Or a kind of really long report or probably the most precise answer I would get is, a composition on a particular subject that has kind of a introduction and a body and a conclusion. And then occasionally you get someone to say, well, an essay is a thing that has a thesis. Oh, right. And yeah. tries to prove something. Mm-hmm. So you'd see some various levels of exposure or awareness to the idea. But if you check a dictionary definition, it generally would include something like a short written composition expressing the ideas, beliefs, or opinions of the writer. Okay. So by definition, an essay has to 
express an opinion. And usually, opinions are things that can be challenged, that need to be defended, as opposed to things that are more factual, that everyone can kind of agree on. Although in today's world, sometimes it seems as though there's more confusion between、mm-hmm. fact and opinion, and opinion and fact.、Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, from a teaching point of view. How do we help a student move from being able to write a report representing factual information in an organized and stylish way to being prepared to express an opinion and support that for an audience that may not be already in agreement、mm-hmm. with you, and so. Uh, that's where I kind of came up with this idea of you know the the developing the essayist pathway,、mm-hmm. and it kind of parallels what we do naturally as kids move through the stages of school, elementary grade, three, four, five, that age range.、Uh, that's when we think about writing reports,、mm-hmm. and we teach them how to collect up, organize, and present information. About an animal, or a state, or a country, or a a person, or something, and animals and states and countries are pretty safe because it's almost all fact, and there's not a lot to argue about, especially if it's all in the past、mm-hmm. and general kind of historical type of information, natural history type of information, and so it's it's safe. But if we want to start the student on the path to being an essayist, and and this is where I saw the brilliance of Webster's model、mm-hmm. for the conclusion,、mm-hmm. we can force them to add in an opinion in the conclusion. And for those listeners who are familiar with our Unit Eight, Unit Seven, Unit Eight models, we always say in the conclusion. Whatever your age or level or ability or experience is, you have to include what is the most notable, most significant, most important, most anything. Fill、mm-hmm. in the blank. It doesn't matter. But when you say what's the most interesting thing, important thing, then that forces them to choose one of those ideas, one of those facts, one of those statements, one of those concepts somewhere from that paper,、mm-hmm. and use that. To kind of make a point at the end, what、uh, sometimes in classical rhetoric might be called a, a very simplified version of an amplification. Okay. Right. So, of all that I told you about peregrine falcons, okay, <laughs> what's the most significant thing? And so that would be the first step in developing an essayist, where you have a report and ninety-five percent of it is just facts you get from encyclopedic sources. But there's that five percent at the end, the coolest thing.、Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is the coolest thing? I, I know very little about <laughs> peregrine falcons. I, I think they're like the fastest animal on earth.、Mm. At least some kids told me that once upon a time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that would be probably the most interesting thing is how fast they are and how they can go faster than a car. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but that. Action of the student to more objectively say of all that I found out, 
what's the one thing worth reminding people at the mm-hmm. end? Right. Since we really remember a very small percentage of what we read. So even teaching a student at that early stage to take that one thing and highlight it for the benefit of the reader right. has value. It's not necessarily persuasive in the sense of it's going to change anyone's opinion, but it does have that memorable aspect. Mm-hmm. And part of persuasive communication is being memorable, mm-hmm. right? If, if you read something or hear something and you go home and tell someone what you heard, you're likely going to start with the most interesting or memorable or significant thing about that. Yep, it's true. Then we, we move into middle school. And it, this, I think, is the most confusing area for a lot of teachers because uh, especially if you read like state standards or writing standards of some sort, they want to, I would say in some cases prematurely, force these students into – having a thesis, making a point, supporting it with supporting details, and pushing into what might be called persuasive mm-hmm. writing. And and so there's frustration in middle school teachers of, of kids who are just not quite there yet. They don't mm-hmm. have the background mm-hmm. of collecting up, organizing, presenting facts, that makes them comfortable. They just want to argue. Probably, yeah. (laughs) So I think, you know, historically we see that in middle school, kids are more likely to start writing about people Mm. or events Mm -hmm. or historical or current events that there are different perspectives on. And so that's a good opportunity to show, okay, you were writing about this person. Were there different opinions about this person and what they did at that time? Right. Or or even has it changed since then? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, or events. Events, for the most part, would be things like wars and discoveries, right? Those would be the big ones. What were the causes of the war? What were the benefits or effects of this discovery that occurred And even to a point of starting to argue, were those good for the world Mm -hmm. or people? Mm -hmm. And so this is where you get into this zone where you're not really arguing, but you are starting to realize that there are different opinions. And those different opinions can be presented Mm -hmm. in ways that could possibly sway a reader to change their pre-existing opinion, especially if it's something you didn't know all that much about. You know, and some people are just kind of bulletproof. Right. (laughs) You know, Florence Nightingale, Mm -hmm. um, what opinion can you possibly have except she's a really great lady who did really great things and we're really happy she lived because she permanently ennobled the profession of nursing. Exactly. But there are other people who either were controversial at the time Mm -hmm. or have become more controversial since Mm -hmm. then. And so how are you going to navigate the facts? Right, right. If you want to portray a particular person in a particular light, Mm -hmm. then you could go and select up any number of facts, statements, commentaries, whatever, that would support that that perspective. Exactly, yep. 
opinion of that person. And if you want to portray them in a different light, you could probably go find other facts, statements, analyses, opinions that are in some ways even opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think we see this more recently with the whole idea that certain American historical figures now do not warrant statues mm -hmm. because of things that they said or did. The people didn't consider all that important when they made the statues to commemorate the things they did that they do like, but now those things are are outweighed yes. perhaps by negatives right. in some people's minds. Yes. So now we, we have to kind of look differently at those people. And mm -hmm. of course, we see that it's very possible for anyone to choose some facts and ignore others mm -hmm. or vice versa when presenting information, mm -hmm. particularly about a person or an event. Sure. And so this is where I think it's kind of fun to teach the middle schoolers, if you want to portray this person in a particular way, you would choose these facts and ignore those. Or if you want to portray them in the opposite way, mm -hmm. then you could choose some of these facts and ignore the others. And, you know, I that seems a little sneaky. Mm -hmm. I've actually had people ask me, are you saying we should teach middle school age students to be sneaky <laughs> in writing? And I point out a couple things. Number one, you don't have to teach them to be sneaky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, they're naturally sneaky. Right, right. But more importantly, if we show them how this can be done and even let them do it, mm -hmm. they will perceive that anyone could do this and that maybe it's being done to them. And when they're reading something, maybe all the facts aren't there. Right. And so this, I think, is, is a level of what might be called critical thinking hmm. that is very good to teach. Well, and isn't that like a formal debate program? Don't they actually have to be prepared to debate either side of the argument? Yes, yes. And that, I think, is one of the best things about high school age kids getting mm -hmm. into debate mm -hmm. is they come up with some case, mm -hmm. some way that they're going to meet the resolution mm -hmm. to improve the world. But they also have to anticipate all the objections. And they may end up going negative against an affirmative team that's running the same affirmative case as they're running. Oh, right. Uh -huh. And so then they start to realize, wow, it's much more complicated than it seems. Mm -hmm. And I think if there was one thing that would help us all have more, I don't know if empathy is the right word, but more understanding, tolerance for the varying opinions that we see in an increasingly politically divisive environment, mm -hmm. it would be that before we take a position, we should consider what other other views on this. I, I would hope so. So – you know, I think this is really a good path, mm -hmm. and if we teach it through writing, it becomes more exact thinking, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what was the, the Bacon quote that right. I loved? You know, mm -hmm. reading makes a full person. Speaking makes a ready person. 
I'm paraphrasing, of course, right. for Bacon. But <laughs> writing makes an exact person. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we teach this strategy through composition, then everyone has to be more careful, more precise, have to have documentation. But you can still ignore certain things to create a particular influence and vice versa. Right. That's not necessarily persuasive writing in the sense of I'm going to posit a thesis and prove it so you are forced to change your mind, which is how some people might define persuasive writing. Mm -hmm. But it moves in that direction. So for me, that's a a valuable step Mm -hmm. in the kind of middle school zone, Mm -hmm. you know, plus or minus a couple years, depending on kids and their maturity and their experience. And then, you know, when you get into high school, that's when you get into this area of issues. Right. That are that are more debatable. I mean, Mm -hmm. if an issue wasn't debatable, it wouldn't be an issue. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone would agree. This is what we should do. But things in the world get more and more complex. The ecology of the world, the immigration policies of countries, the need for military preparedness, some Mm -hmm. of these big Mm -hmm. issues, health issues, um, are are fascinating. And and that's when we say, okay, now let us say we've collected up a lot of information. We do have a pretty solid foundation for arguing a particular perspective. And hopefully, you know, here we get to argue a perspective that we do care about. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, debate is fun as a sport. But when we really want to access the visceral core motivation of students, having them write about something they really care about is going to get the best engagement level. Right. And, you know, a lot of people don't care about something until they start to learn about it. Mm-hmm. So there is a symbiosis there. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have enough information, it's really hard to have an opinion, to care, to put any energy into it. And you're just, you know, mechanically walking through the steps so you can turn in the paper and get a grade. And sometimes that's all it is. Yeah. Okay, but I do recall a story that you've told before about studying dung beetles. Like, who wants to study dung beetles? Well, was it something that you were interested in first, or did you become more interested because of your study of Well, them? I was at the snow over Christmas with the family staying in this cabin that mm-hmm. had a little library of books that people had left there. Mm. Oh, right. And there was, like, a whole book on dung beetles. <laughs> and so the curiosity that caused me to open the book was, how could anyone write a whole book on this? Right, right. But yes, as I began to read, and it was very well-written, engaging narratives and mm-hmm. the whole thing, by by. I don't know, two-thirds through the book, I was kind of convinced that, yes, dung beetles are the most important creature. We can't survive without them, you know. So, yes, information often creates a level of interest that Mm -hmm. wouldn't be there otherwise. But when we get into this area of what many people call persuasive writing, Mm -hmm. so I have a particular opinion and I think you would benefit 
from having the same opinion as mm-hmm. me because then you would make better decisions mm. for your personally, for your family, for right. your society, for your country, right. the way you vote, right? So I would want to persuade you to think the way I think mm-hmm. since I know I'm right about this. Okay, so I'm going to, on the spot here, listener, he is not, he has no idea what I'm about to say. So Uh-oh. I want you to persuade me, and I'm going to first give you the counter argument that I should be eating organic food. Okay, I know this is a personal preference of yours, and I would say, from where I sit, organic food is more expensive, and therefore I can do more with my money. If I don't buy organic food, I can, I don't know, go visit my grandchildren or, you know, not have to figure out what specialty stores I have to go to because it's harder to find good organic food. So, now... Persuade me using the persuasive essay model. Yeah. So teaching is like sales. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right? And and sales is all about persuasion. You should buy this rather than that. Mm -hmm. This is a better product than that. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a hurt and rescue. (laughs) Okay. Right? Right. (laughs) So if people feel the pain of not having the thing Mm -hmm. that you want to give them, either in terms of education or commercial product, then they're much more willing to listen to you, much more willing to invest, to mm-hmm. spend their time and money. But at the same time, people come in with certain biases. Right. And so you, you have to acknowledge that. Yes. So probably the wrong way to do this mm-hmm. would be to say, everyone should eat organic food whenever possible. For these three reasons. And then I would give you these three reasons and say, so, now you should definitely believe what I say about this. You know, and, and that would be kind of the argumentative approach. Right. So I'm going to have a thesis. I'm going to support it with proofs. Mm-hmm. And these proofs are going to be so compelling that you change your mind. Well, no, I have to do a couple things here. Number one... I have to acknowledge the opposing view mm-hmm. and then somehow work in a, a, a solution or a certain discrediting or plant seeds of doubt about that opposing view. And then I also might make an appeal to the danger of not <laughs> following and then give the positives. So okay. those three elements. Now, they could be organized in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we teach this in our SSS and TWSS materials, we generally suggest that students get their topics and line them up to kind of, you know, the con and then the middle one that could kind of go either way and then the pro the big guns reason mm-hmm. at the end, and then in the conclusion, rather than just restate the topics, you're going to restate but discredit the con and reaffirm the pro. Mm-hmm. So uh, the con, as you have stated, is the expense. Yes. That organic foods are generally more expensive. So I would probably go up and, and do some research on this, the... The cost, yes, if you buy organic foods at 
a place like Whole Paycheck. I mean, <laughs> Whole Foods. Exactly. <laughs> you'll pay more for everything.、Mm-hmm. However, Walmart, Target, natural grocers here in Tulsa, they have organic vegetables that are probably only ten to fifteen percent more in expense. Okay. So that is a margin that maybe you can live with. You may have had a concept that oh no everything costs twice as much, my grocery bill will double. I can't afford that. But if I can collect up some information to kind of refruit it, so yes, they are more expensive. But how much more expensive? Sliver of doubt. Sliver、yep. of doubt.、Mm-hmm. So we put that sliver of doubt. The next thing might be a reason reason to buy organic food. Is that it's actually good for the ecology,、hmm. so you can view that added expense as almost an investment in making the world a better place. The more、uh, farmers and growers that are motivated to create organic crops, the fewer. The chemicals that will be dumped in、mm. to the environment, polluting waterways, sitting in the soil, cross-contaminating—you know—so you,、know. mm-hmm. you could kind of go that way and say, "Yes, here's a reason. It's not the biggest reason, and we can't completely shift all food production in the company in the country to organic production, but to the degree we can support it." It's making the world better, and then of course you hit with the big gun reasons, which is why some of the pesticides and herbicides that are used in commercial vegetables are pretty toxic to your system, and they stay in your cells, and it's really hard to detox. And whole books have been written on that <laughs> subject, so there's plenty of information, and then you might. Even add in a fourth topic if you could, which is you know the the great benefits of higher nutrient value in the food, and if you eat more organic food with higher nutrient value from soil that has been well cared for over decades, you would not need. As many expensive vitamins and supplements <laughs> <laughs> to get all that your body. Needs for optimal function, so there are lots of ways you could work with that, but you know the the different approach would be acknowledging the opposing view.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, that's kind of a habit of thinking that I would love to see cultivated、uh, more.、Mm-hmm. And you know, I've actually had this exact discussion with one of my adult children、mm. who. Lives on a pretty tight budget, right? Homeschooling,、mm-hmm. one income, and so you know she she walks a path of moderation.、Mm-hmm. And for any listeners who are interested, you can actually go out and and find lists of the foods that are most dangerous to eat commercially produced because they require the most artificial, you know, pesticides, herbicides, fertilizers to、mm-hmm. grow. And then there's actually a whole list of foods that are do not require a lot, and you're pretty safe to buy non-organic、mm-hmm. avocados, for example. It has to do with the, how the 
thick the skin is, I believe you told me one time. Yeah, yeah. and there's other other factors mm-hmm. in there. So, okay, you, you would select and say, okay, if these are the worst and most dangerous in terms of levels, chemical levels, toxic yep. toxin levels, we'll, we'll devote a little bit more budget. Right. There. I mean, you know, the other thing is if you look at, you know, overall health over a long period of time, eating well should reduce medical complications to some and degree. So we can live a longer life and enjoy our grandchildren longer. Exactly. Right? I was waiting for that one. But of course, you know, if you live a longer life, it costs you more money. <laughs> Ultimately, somehow. But, you know, I think it would be, <clears throat> it would be an interesting exercise for mm-hmm. everyone to just kind of grab a topic yep. and without having a big, you know, writing lesson on it, practice at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And say, okay, let's say that we want to persuade in someone of this view. Dad to get us a dog. We understand <laughs> the opposing <laughs> points, right? And so let's have a, a, a yep. debate. One of our coworkers mm-hmm. talks about how when his kids were at home, they would always, you know, every Friday or some day of the week have a family debate yeah. on a particular issue. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, him teaching his kids to think a little more mm-hmm. outside this is just what I know and believe and want to hear yep. to to that more broad level of what we would call critical thinking mm-hmm. in the positive sense. Yes, absolutely. And Andrew, I I I know I hit a hot topic with you and which is why our podcast <laughs> might have gone a little bit longer with apologies to our listeners, but I do think that this is so important, especially today, to be considerate and kind to one another, to consider one another's point of views as we are formulating our own, but then yet to be able to know how to strategically and kindly persuade one another. Well, and there's that old saying, you catch more flies with honey. It's true. And so if we do have a charitable Mm -hmm. open-mindedness, then whoever we're talking to about whatever we're talking, we're likely to be heard. And that carries right over into the the Facebook posts or social media statements that we might make, as well as the formal papers or articles that we may write at some point. And not everything is life and death moral. Sometimes there's just decisions that have to be made. And so that same process that you go through in writing an essay will apply to a conversation about what is the best thing to do in marketing your products for the company you work for. Indeed. Well, on that note, I will say thank you, listener, for tolerating us today and being kind to us. And thank you, Andrew. And shop organic for the benefit of the world (laughs) and yourself. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. 
Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.